Hello and welcome everyone to this ESMO Open podcast on adjuvant and neoadjuvant therapies in melanoma. My name is Jonathan Lin and today I'm joined by Dr. Teresa Amaral, who is the current chair of the ESMO Young Oncologist Committee and a medical oncologist with expertise in the treatment of patients with melanoma. Thank you very much for joining us today, Teresa. Thank you, John, for having me. So clearly, the therapeutic landscape in melanoma is changing rapidly. Um, There has been significant and meaningful advances made in the recent few years. So jumping straight into the topic, what would you say are the key recommendations or strategies in the treatment of resected melanoma now? Yes, you are definitely right. Uh, There is a change in the way we treat patients that have an indication for adjuvant therapy. And I would like to start there. As you are also aware, uh, the new AGCC classification came to kind of change the way we classify patients in stage three and uh, the somehow favorable outcomes in, for example, the um, stage 3A patients um, might be and have been used to limit the access to adjuvant therapy um, to all stage 3 patients. So some issues that are still to be addressed before um, all these therapies become available for all the patients that need them. Regarding these studies that support um, our decision on offering adjuvant therapy to these patients, um, I will start with immunotherapy uh, that can be offered uh, to both BRAF wild type and BRAF mutated melanoma patients. So the two trials that provide information regarding the immunotherapy are the Checkmate 238 and the Keynote 054 that evaluated respectively NEVO versus EP in stage 3 and resected stage 4 patients and PEMBRO versus placebo in stage 3 melanoma patients. And both of them gave us uh, data that support the use of NEVO in PEMBRO. Uh, one obviously need to acknowledge that these populations were not as exactly the same. Um, in the Checkmate 238, we included patients with stage 3B, C, and resected stage 4. And in the Keynote 054, only patients with high-risk stage 3 melanoma um, were included. And obviously, with the advantage that comes from the use of both of these therapies in the adjuvant setting, uh, the question that always comes to mind is, does this advantage in the adjuvant setting um, and does this increase in the relapse-free survival translates into overall survival um, benefit? Here, I would like to uh, point for one of the posters that were presented last year in ESMO by Dr. Weber. Um, And he presented a mixture cure modeling for resected stage 3 and stage 4 melanoma in the the Checkmate 238 trial and also involved um, data from the EORTC 18071 trial. What the analysis shows is that the, the hazard ratios for the Checkmate 238 in comparison to mortality rates in the general population uh, suggested there was a, a plateau about three years in the relapse-free survival. And this kind of supports the assumption uh, of a cure fraction and that some of the patients probably would be cured um, by receiving adjuvant therapy. And this advantage was uh, greater in the NEVO arm. This is similar to what has been um, shown in the COMBI-80 trial, which is um, the trial that evaluated target therapy in the adjuvant setting. And of course, this trial only included BRAF mutated patients, but 
um, the results from this trial clearly show an advantage for uh, patients with BRAF mutation to be treated with dabrafenib and trametinib, which was the therapy that was evaluated in this, in this trial. Um, also, as I said, this, the authors of this trial presented uh, results from a um, CURE model uh, that was um, presented after a follow-up of almost four, four years and um, showed that um, uh, there were more than 50% of the patients that were probably cured and have received target therapy compared to uh, less than 40% of the patients that were in the placebo arm. So definitely a valid alternative for patients with stage 3 uh, BRAF melanoma. In the neoadjuvant setting, which is the other topic of our podcast, uh, we have uh, target therapy also and immunotherapy. I will go with the target therapy and we have um, probably more uh, trials, but I will just uh, focus on two of them. One of them uh, is a study from the MD Anderson Cancer Center, and they included both resectable stage 3 and oligometastatic stage 4 BRAF mutated patients, and patients were offered to receive upfront surgery and considered to uh, receive adjuvant therapy, which was the standard of care group, or um, neoadjuvant plus adjuvant dabrofenib and trametinib. And after including only seven patients in the in the surgery arm and 14 in the new adjuvant plus adjuvant arm the trial was stopped because there was a clear advantage for the approach with the new adjuvant plus adjuvant therapy. The other studies, the NeoCombi study from the Melanoma um, Institute in Australia, patients received a total of uh, one year of therapy. Uh, of which approximately three months were uh, in the new adjuvant setting. In this trial, what we, we saw that is that there was a high proportion uh, of these patients that were uh, treated with dabrofenib plus trametinib that achieved also a complete response, and a high proportion of these achieved a complete pathological response, probably um, uh, predictive of long-term survival. And then moving to the immunotherapy in the new adjuvant setting, we also have two trials. And both of these trials uh, actually show that probably the combination in the new adjuvant setting is more uh, capable to induce immune responses than um, the adjuvant setting. So all in all, I think we can say that we uh, should offer adjuvant treatments for all stage 3 patients and resected stage 4, no evidence of disease patients. For stage 3A, um, this needs to be discussed in a case-by-case -case manner because the evidence is lower. And for BRAF melanoma patients, both target therapy and immunotherapy are available as first line. Data from the stage 4 disease shows that probably first line immunotherapy followed by target therapy has better outcomes. Mm -hmm. That's great, Teresa. Thank you for summarizing so many very exciting data from all these trials. That's been really informative, actually. Um, and your thoughts about, you know, in terms of toxicity of both adjuvant and neoadjuvant contexts, um, do you think is acceptable? I think the toxicity in the settings, particularly in the adjuvant setting where patients might have already been cured with surgery, is always worrisome. Obviously, there is a clear difference in the rate and quality of side effects between PD-1 and BRAF MAC inhibitors. And although the grade 3-4 side effects um, is lower for NIV and PEMBRO alone, both of them can induce long-lasting and life-threatening immune-related adverse events. And 
That's right. In contrast, more patients stop therapy because adverse events in the target therapy, but these adverse events are usually quickly resolved after discontinuation of therapy. So I think um, we cannot say that is acceptable, but based on the outcomes that we have, uh, we probably need to accept them, but we need to manage them with early um, assessment, so to say. Regarding the, the therapy duration, that might also be uh, an issue related to toxicity. What we see from, uh, namely, the OPACI-NEO trial and also the data from the Immunet trial is that probably we can have the same outcomes with shorter duration of therapy. And in this case, obviously, uh, we are expecting also lower rates of toxicity, and this uh, definitely might be um, an alternative in this case. Yes, I agree with what you said, actually. Um, just from a practical perspective, um, is there sufficient evidence now to suggest that neoadjuvant therapy is better than adjuvant therapy? I guess one of the advantages of the neoadjuvant setting over the adjuvant is that um, the efficacy of the treatment can be actually confirmed by its direct effect on the nodal disease. Mm -hmm. um, and we can also have tumor material to analyze and see the changes produced by the systemic therapy. And also the neoadjuvant therapy can reduce the necessity of radiotherapy and probably also increase the local control of the disease. But my understanding as we speak is that there is no enough information to answer this question. Another aspect that is also probably interesting to take uh, into consideration is um, the results that will come from the Prado study, that is the extension of the OPACINEO trial, that will actually address whether we will need surgery after treating the patients or not. And probably this might have, add some information on what is better adjuvant or neoadjuvant. That's great. Uh, and finally, um, we are all facing the COVID-19 pandemic and this feels like this is here to stay. What are your thoughts about neoadjuvant and adjuvant therapies during this time and what has changed? Obviously, all of us needed to adapt in this setting. Um, we should definitely not forget that having an advanced disease, in this case, the advanced melanoma, is the highest risk factor for patients. Uh, and we should have that in mind when, when we are treating them. And I must say that uh, I'm quite impressed by the, the work that the ESMO did in this time by providing guidelines for patients, uh, not only for melanoma patients, but for all the patients in this setting. And I would very much like to refer our listeners to this uh, webpage where these high priorities and median priorities and low priorities were defined. Um, what was defined, and in this case, what was actually uh, mentioned is that for patients that are on treatment, we should try to keep them on treatment and use patients are BRAF mutated to try to use target therapy and for those that are receiving immunotherapy, increase the time between the cycle. So instead of NIVO every two weeks, give NIVO every four weeks based on the Checkmate 511. And also for the PEMBRO, we could uh, provide uh, PEMBRO every six weeks instead of three weeks. So the main message here is if you are um, giving therapy to a patient, you should keep the patient on therapy and not stop it. If you are trying to include a patient in an adjuvant uh, trial or in a neoadjuvant trial, we could delay this inclusion until up to 12 12 weeks, as is recommended in the clinical trials, and probably we will not give any uh, 
extra risk to these patients if we delay the therapy during this time. Fair enough. Thank you once again, Teresa, for your time today. Um, and for our listeners, um, you can find more podcasts on the ESMO Open homepage. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates. Mm-hmm.